All right. Uh, we're talking about generosity. Uh, this is the second week. We're going to do it for one more week next week. And uh, so I want to start in Mark chapter 4. And we're going to read through this together. I'm going to share a couple thoughts as we go through. And this is Jesus speaking. So I want you to pay, I mean, we want to pay close attention to all the scriptures. But it's pretty hard to get cute about applying things to our lives when it's Jesus himself speaking. Amen? I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, does anybody else here get cute with the scriptures? Maybe I'm the only one. I just want us to pay special attention that Jesus Christ is speaking here and receive it as such. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and he sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some of it fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I love that invitation. Whoever is curious about this and wants to hear what I'm saying, I want you to hear what I'm saying. I love that invitation. I love that, that I love the open-handed nature of God himself, who is the God who always says, if, if you want me, you can have me. If you want life abundantly, do what I'm commanding you. If you want to be blessed, do what I've told you to do in order to be blessed. He doesn't say do it and coerce us. He doesn't do, say do it and threaten us. He says, if you want to do it, then do it, because my Father will certainly uphold his end of the bargain and bring every promise that he's made. Amen? Speaking of God keeping his promises, we do have a bittersweet uh, thing to share with you. Uh, death on this side is always bitter, but when we are in Christ, it's rather sweet for the person who gets to go home. And Mary Rush, Preston Rush's wife, passed uh, this week. And so we grieve with the Rush family, the Crab family, and uh, we know that we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we grieve with those who grieve. So although it is sweet for Mary, it is bitter for us. So Lord, we pray your blessing over the Rushes, over the Crabs, and we ask God that you would heal and comfort our hearts, Lord, as we say goodbye to this dear saint. But we thank you, Lord. We know that she has been pining to be present with you, and we thank you for answering the call of her heart, Lord, to be present with you, Lord. We acknowledge the hope that we have in you, Jesus, in life, in death, in resurrection, and forever. Amen. So Jesus says to them, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. And he told them, now catch this, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, Jesus is talking at this point 
about the fact that he's there to preach the kingdom to the Jews and that he's going to be crucified, after which point many of those very same people ended up repenting, which was wonderful. But at this point, he had to keep the whole thing secret. Satan didn't know what was going on. How many of you know if the devil would have figured out that he was supposed to kill Jesus, he'd have prolonged that, wouldn't he? He would have never put him on a cross, but he was defeated. It was hidden from them. But Jesus says to them, you have been given the secret. And he said, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? I want you to catch this. Jesus is saying to them, if you don't understand this, this foundational parable, if you don't get this part, how will you understand any of the other parables that I'm sharing with you? I want you to catch this because this is the lens I want you to see the plot. I want you to see the big picture. I want you to be standing on the foundation of what's going on so you can perceive reality and act accordingly. Amen? This is foundational to what I'm going to tell you. Remember this, and as you seek to engage the rest of my teaching, you're going to understand the plot. Are you with me? So then he begins to unpack it, and he says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes away the word that was sown in them. Now others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall away. Did you catch that? Saints, we need to expect that trouble and persecution is a part of having the word within you. I want you to understand something. If you kind of feel like you're in a battle, it's because you are. If it sort of feels like there's pressure, like maybe there's somebody that doesn't want you to live the life you've been called to live and do the things you're called to do, I'm spitting on the table. It's because it's the, what's going on. Satan comes to kill and steal and destroy. He comes to deceive. He goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you know what lions do? They roar and they pressure you through fear to move away from the flock. And then once you're on your own, what do they do? Yeah. The simple uh, explanation, the one that I like is this just to remember in regard to why we gather together and why we stay together, why we love one another, why we meet in homes, why we do what we're doing here, is because the banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten. <laughs> so when persecution or trouble comes because of the word, I want you to say the word, because of the word. See, you guys, you're going to expect there's going to be pressure because of the word that's in you, because the kingdom is within you, because you have a kingdom momentum that's going against the spirit of the age, there will be troubles and there will be persecutions. And there's different seasons for that. There's different intensities for that, but it will always be the case. And you need to be aware of that because otherwise you're going to feel like something's wrong when you feel that pressure. And if you don't have any root in you, and this is Jesus warning us, hey guys, this is what to expect. But if you don't have any root in you, if you're not rooted in Christ, if you're not allowing yourself to be washed in the water of the word, if you're not following him and, and allowing your roots to go down, then you will leave the faith when trouble and persecution comes. This is what Jesus is telling us. 
I, for one, like to know what to expect. Do you like to know what to expect? It's kind of like if you were always practicing to play in some kind of a sport, but the coach never told you that the other team would actually oppose you. It's just like, we're going to go over there, we're going to dribble a whole lot, we're going to shoot the ball into that hoop. You guys practice. Then you show up at the game. I didn't know there'd be another team. <laughs> but many of us are living our Christian life as though that's the case. I didn't, know I, would, I didn't know I would have an enemy who's invisible and influences people to come against me and criticize me and make me feel like a jerk. I didn't know that. I didn't know that there would be pressure. Guys, here's the good news. If you're feeling pressure, it's because you're going the right direction. Amen? And then he continues. Verse 18. And still others, like seeds sown among thorns, they hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Did you catch that? There's a list here. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. Now, Jesus is teaching in an agrarian society. In other words, everybody's farming. You're either farming or you're shepherding. That's the main things that are going on. There might be a few miners out there, but the most thing that is happening is people understand you're going to be planting and you're going to be growing something. And if your crop doesn't come in, you ain't eating. You guys, so everybody understands this. He goes, okay, I'm going to use an example you all can understand. You're in agrarian society. Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. God is sowing the kingdom, and in order for you to produce a crop, you need to be aware of what's going on. And he says, this is what the kingdom is like. And he makes this list now of what will choke out the thorns. How many of you guys have ever seen blackberries here in Oregon? Yeah, they're amazing. Did you guys know that blackberries can grow up to, I think it's 18 inches. They can grow up to 18 inches in a 24-hour period of time. Is that amazing? You could literally almost see them move without doing like the stop photography thing. You just, I think the only thing that grows faster is bamboo. I think bamboo can do 24 inches in, in a 24. It's amazing stuff. But blackberries are something to be reckoned with. And if you leave blackberries, what do they do? They just take over and they just choke out everything around it. And God is telling us, listen, my kingdom is within you. The seed is being planted within you. However, you need to understand that there are these thorns in this life that will choke out your ability to be fruitful in my kingdom and in this life. Now, you notice he didn't say that you would specifically not make it into heaven. We know that salvation is a free gift, right? But he did say it will choke you out to the point where your life is unfruitful. Now, we serve a God who has told us to be fruitful and multiply, both, both by making beautiful babies but we're called to be fruitful and multiply in this kingdom through everything that we do to extend his kingdom. Amen? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. And he gives us everything that, 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 that he has, he gives us so we can extend his kingdom. 
But he's warning us, again, here's what reality is like. He's saying to him, listen, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any parables. If you don't understand this principle of what's going on in the kingdom, you're not going to understand anything that's going on in the kingdom. Now, I love how Jesus rolls because he puts the cookies on the shelf right where we can get to them. He doesn't make this hard. He says, listen, here's where the rubber meets the road. In this life, if you're going to be fruitful in my kingdom, you need to understand that the things that choke that out are, number one, the worries of this life. How many of you guys have worries? How dare you? You do? Yeesh. I'm just kidding. Me too. My, my primary worries, honestly, I would say my primary worries come down to my kids for the most part, my kids and my family. How many of you would say that's probably number one? Yeah, your kids and your family. And then for me, the, the, the things behind that would be, I worry about, I want my kids to be healthy. I want them to be holy. Like my biggest worry is like, oh Jesus, please, please, please open the eyes. I pray this prayer all the time over my kids. I don't know if you kids know this, but this is the prayer I pray over you. Father, I pray that my children would know you as you are and would know themselves as you know them. Lord, I pray that my children would know you as you are, and that they would know themselves as you know them. God, bless them. Give them the desires of their heart. Protect them, but let them know you as you are. And, and, and so that, that, I mean, that's my biggest thing. It's like, oh God, please let my kids choose you. Like, I know they get to make that decision, but God, I just pray that they're going to bear good fruit and live a good life with you, right? Does anybody else identify with this prayer right, for your loved ones? And then I'm like, okay, and Lord, we happen to live in a really amazing nation. I pray that my nation would be the kind of nation that would have the freedom to receive or reject you without being coerced or threatened. That's my second worry is like, oh, God, please let this be a place where you can have freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of religion without being coerced, manipulated, or excommunicated because you don't agree with something going on here. And so that's the other area where I get to worry. And anybody else do that? I'm the only one. Okay. Um, and so, so that can take over my life. Like that, that good, by the way, that's, that's kingdom stuff that I want. Like, God's the one who brings the rain on the wicked and the just, right? He lets us sin and like it and get away with it on this life as long as it doesn't go too far and hurt somebody else in a way that has to be intervened. So he, he wants us to be unthreatened and uncoerced. I'm drifting from my sermon here, but okay. He, he's, he's seeking for there to be an equal playing field where people can choose the, the eternal life or death. He wants that for us. And we want that for others to have that freedom. But when I begin to worry and fear comes in, this turns into a whole different thing. And it actually starts choking out my fruitfulness in the kingdom because then not only do I not have a winsome, lovely message of the generosity of God and what he has to offer through Christ Jesus, but I'm actually infected with fear that other people see what I have going and they're like, Okay, first of all, you're scared of things I wasn't even scared about until about 42 seconds ago, and you're super intense, and you're bumming me out, and you don't seem to have anything to offer that's better than the problem that you just made me aware of. So your whole deal is bumming me. Are you guys, has anybody talked with me when I'm like that? Don't raise your hands. 
So that's a worry, though, that begins to choke out my fruitfulness in the kingdom. I'm not allowed to do that. Jesus says, do not worry. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Here's the second one. The deceitfulness of wealth. This is something that actually chokes out our fruitfulness in the kingdom. And by the way, a lot of our worries in this life have to do with wealth, don't they? I mean, it's like, how many of you guys want to be able to provide for yourself and your family? Yeah, provision's a pretty big deal. And oftentimes our worries in this life are connected to our ability to take care of ourselves and take care of others. And when somebody messes with that, people always, in America, we often say, right, people vote their wallet. Right? And there's, that's not necessarily a wrong thing because how people are managing your ability to care for your loved ones should certainly come into it. But it can't be the only thing, right? So Jesus is saying to us, he says, listen, the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of wealth actually chokes out your ability to be fruitful in the kingdom. So what is that? What, it, what are the deceitfulness? What's the deceitfulness of wealth? Well, one of those things is that it, it, it tells you that if you just have enough of it, you'll be secure. If, how, many, how many of you guys have heard, right? Independently wealthy. The key problem here is the independent part. We're always dependent on the Lord. I'm never going to get to a point where I'm rich enough where my wealth can make me not need a savior. I'm never going to get rich enough where I don't need a savior to transform my mind so that I can be like Christ. I'm never going to get rich enough to where I don't need someone to form Christ in me. I'm never going to be to the point where I don't need God. But the deceitfulness of riches says, well, yes, spiritually speaking, but physically, I'm doing great. Well, the Bible says, don't put your trust in riches because they will grow wings and fly away, Proverbs says. But there's a deceitfulness of riches. And in fact, I'm going to let Jesus talk a little more about that in just a second here. And the last thing is, the desire for other things come in and choke the word. The desire for other things. And then he says, but others, the seed is sown on good ground. We hear the word, we accept it and produce a crop. How many of you guys are glad that Jesus warns us what to look for? Right? I mean, this is important because imagine if he just is like, well, actually, some of you, when you first heard the gospel, might have heard like only a partial part of the gospel of like, hey, listen, pray this prayer, receive Jesus, and then from here on out, life is going to be, woo! (laughs) Right? Did any of you like start that way? I mean, you're probably not there now, but right? Like that was your understanding was like, well, my life kind of isn't as great as I wish it was. And I heard that if I buy this product, Jesus, by praying this prayer, then I receive forgiveness of sins. Then grace is extended to me. And then he's going to make me like happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. And you're like, this sounds amazing. But they didn't tell you like the minute that you pray to Jesus, the guy who was actually like not a great friend to you, but you were traveling in the same direction as him, you know, the devil became your enemy. And now there's pressure against you. And now other people that were like, man, you used to be cool, are like, man, you used to be cool. What happened? You used to hang with us, and we all did the same broken things. And now all of a sudden, you're weird, and you don't do those things. And he's like, are you with me? It shifted. But Jesus, he gives us the whole picture. He says, look, 
It's actually going to cost you everything to follow me. He who would save their life must lose it. You have to actually die to yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me in order to, bring, to receive the kingdom. So it, he, he's very forthright. I love it. Let's let him speak for himself. Let's let him speak for himself. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 34. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen to this key. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, this is the deceitfulness of wealth. Wealth, money, the spirit of money, is, it's, it's, got a, it's got a spirit. That's the first thing is there's a spirit that's there that's attached that says you could be financially independent. If you just had more of me, And by the way, the reason why you don't have more of me is because of that guy and that guy and a couple of those people. And if they would just do their fair share, I could take care of you. It's called covetousness. There's a spirit that's there. There's whole financial worldly systems that are set up based 100% on covetousness. And by the way, covetousness is a sin in the kingdom. There's a spirit that attaches itself and says, come, trust in me. And it's after our hearts. Are you guys with me? And Jesus speaks right to it. And he says, listen, wherever your treasure is, your heart will be there too. So wherever you and I are emphasizing, wherever we're focusing on, and this is specific to money, do you guys, do you guys know why it's specific to money? Because money is power. You guys have heard of the golden rule, right? He who has the gold makes the rules. That's a reality in this world. Like, we have broken systems in this world. Until Jesus comes, there's going to be some brokenness in all of our systems. America's a pretty good system, but it's a pretty broken system. It's what's currently available. Jesus is going to have to restore all of it. We're not getting utopia here. Are you with me? There's a... There's a spirit of money that says, trust me, work for me, use me for you. And it's, it's, how many of you guys know what I'm talking about? How many of you guys love it that I'm talking about money? I love talking about money because there's nothing so visceral that happens in people than when you start talking about money. All right? It's like, the, like, it brings up the wounds because how many of us have heard somebody use manipulation to talk about money in the name of Jesus, right? The scripture says some of them are using the gospel as though it were a way to make money. I'm paraphrasing, but it's as a way to gain wealth, it says. And there are those that do that to this day, guys. That's the reality, right? Some of you may have gotten sucked in by some of that. And I, and I apologize for that. May the Lord heal that wound in your heart. But just because someone is doing the wrong thing in the name of Jesus doesn't mean that Jesus stopped talking about money and stopped inviting us to use his stuff, his way, unto the blessing and extension of his kingdom and the care for his people. Amen? See, there's something about wealth, and Jesus says exactly this. He says, 
There's something about wealth that reveals where your heart is. You guys want to know where some of my, let me just confess a few of my areas, my idols, my sweet idols. I don't worship them once I repent from worshiping them. And then I turn back to the Lord. But these are my constant areas. If, if you, because you, here's what you can do, right? Is you can go back and look at where you spend your money. And I'm talking about all of it, but specifically let me zero in on our disposable income, right? You're spending money. And by the way, you need some spending money, guys. I hope you're all budgeting. We believe in Financial Peace University here, and we want to give people tools so that they're managing all of their money. We're not just going to talk about tithe and then be like, and do whatever you want with the 90%. We don't care about you fast that. No, we need to bring our whole self unto the Lord. But here's the thing, right? With your disposable income, your spending money, which is the line item in your budget, what do you like to do? It will give you a, a picture, a snapshot of some of the things that you care deeply about, right? And I'm not even saying they're negative. I'm just saying they just let you know where your heart's at. You know where my heart's at? If it was up to me, I would spend all of my money on really nice coffee drinks and food and really delicious IPA. Those are like, these are my areas that I would just totally wreck the budget on. Just, they're just so good. And when things are rough for me, like I'm having a rough time in the world, what I need is to go barbecue something. Like I, I immediately, I like bust out my phone. What meat is on sale at Safeway? I'm like, oh, there we go. That's what's gonna happen. We're having ribs. And if the ribs aren't in sale, it's like I'm down to the, it's not the chef's store anymore, but I'm, you know, I'm making brisket, okay? Now, that's totally okay. It's totally okay. But it does indicate to me where I go, where my heart goes when it's seeking comfort. Are you guys with me? It actually indicates where I go for comfort, where I go for that thing that can give me what I need. Now, how many of you guys know that delicious barbecue is a blessing from the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, it's practically a fruit of the Spirit. However, however, it's not God himself. He's the only one that can truly bring comfort. So it's, there's an alignment that can start to happen where I'm looking unto something to receive my security and my comfort instead of someone. And Jesus is actually, and how do I get it, right? How do I get it? I use my power. I take the time and talent that I've had that I traded for money and I use my money, which is my time and talent in liquid form, currency, and I buy brisket. I need this to get this. And God says, wherever this is, is also where your heart is. You guys with me? And in fact, he, he continues on. The eye, verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, how many of you guys get confused by this particular part where you're like, you're talking about money, and then now you're talking about our eyes? Well, Jesus is referencing, there's a proverb and it talks about an evil eye. How many of you guys have ever heard of an evil eye? 
Do you know what an evil eye is? An evil eye is, is simply this. It's a covetous eye. In Proverbs, it says, he who has an evil eye and hastens to become rich quickly will not go unpunished. The evil eye is covetousness and a desire unto riches. I'm constantly thinking about how I can get more power and money for me, and that has become the most important thing to me. And Jesus is referencing this. He's saying, listen, if you're serving money, you're looking unto money, how great is that darkness that's in you? And then he begins to expound. And then he says this, no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, this is Jesus talking. I feel like he'd be a little more nuanced. Like, hey, you need to be careful that you get your money to God ratios appropriate because you might overemphasize one a little bit. He doesn't give any quarter whatsoever. He says, you'll either serve God or you will serve money. You will either love one or you will love the other. There's no middle ground. You have to choose which one you're going to love. Now, how many of you guys are like, well, duh, right? You guys are like, we've heard this sermon before, Joshua. Anyone? Anybody really bored? Don't raise your hand. I'm, I'm sensitive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You see, most of us would very easily be like, well, I'm not like those guys. I'm not like that other person that loves money. Like how many of us right immediately think of somebody like, I'll tell you who loves money. Okay, here's the thing. Jesus is telling each of us that we need to understand that there is a way for us to manage our heart so that we don't end up making money the Lord of our life. And make our decisions based on checking in with our money instead of making our decisions based on checking in with the Lord. See, it's easy to go, oh no, it's, I, I'm, not like, I'm not like that. You know, we point. But if you think about that, it's almost like the evil eye, isn't it? It's like, well, yeah, I'm not like those people that have tons of money who could have totally afford to give away a bunch of it, but they don't. Bill Gates. Yeah, you know, who, you know those people that have so much must be nice. I wish I had the opportunity to be able to be powerful in the kingdom. And Jesus says, well, you absolutely do. And in fact, I'm calling you to exercise your power of blessing, to exercise stewarding your heart so that you are following me and not money right now. At whatever level of wealth you've been entrusted with right now, he has empowered you to steward your heart. How we steward our money is how we steward our heart. Can you receive that? And see, this is the area that many of us actually end up defeated in because we think they're not connected. And we're essentially unintentional. You know, it's like, it's kind of that thing of, it's like the alcoholic, right? The alcoholic never can admit they're an alcoholic, right? All you alcoholics in here know this. So it's like, it's like, well, it's not like I'm driving drunk. It's like, that's your, that's your level? Like you're sloppy, passed out on the couch, but you're not driving, so you're not an alcoholic. Well, that's perfect. That's a really good analogy. Well, it's not like I'm beating my wife. Oh, you're not an angry drunk, and so therefore you're not a drunk, right? Are you guys with me? So I, I went, okay, fine. 
A lot of, a lot of drinking jokes today, huh? It could probably be a meeting after the meeting today. <laughs> Marilyn's going to be like, mm. Okay. I love you. Okay. All right. There we go. But the Lord has actually called us to understand that the stewardship of our heart comes in large part with the stewardship of our money. That it is a worship unto God that we direct our finances in a specific way unto obedience and unto stewarding our hearts. In fact, the scripture says that if you cannot be trusted with money, how will you ever be trusted with true spiritual riches? See, money is the kindergarten of how we steward our soul to make sure that we're following Christ with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. And money represents our strength. It represents our heart. So we're going to continue this conversation, but I wanted to begin with this, that the Lord has actually given us the invitation and the understanding that we will become unfruitful in the kingdom if we don't manage our money intentionally in the heart and way of Jesus. Can you receive that? All right, I want to pray a blessing over you guys. And uh, I'd like to ask that the elders and the home group leaders would come up. We want to make ourselves available for anyone who would like prayer. Um, and uh, last week, as uh, you guys can go ahead and start coming up, if you would, home group leaders and elders coming up to the front. Um, last week, I believe it was, we had a, a ministry time for a moment dealing specifically with the spirit of fear. And, and, and as we're talking about this, as we're talking about money, we have one more we have one more uh, Sunday that we're going to talk about this. And, 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 um, but you guys, this is directly connected to fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And Christ's perfect love brings us provision for everything that we need. When Jesus said, take no thought for what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear, where you'll live. Your Father in heaven knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to you. The pagans chase after all these things, but not so with you. You seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. You see, it's a, it's a, it's a difference of priority. But when we're, when we're getting sucked in by this, this is the thing I want to speak to you, and I'm going to pray, and then I want to release you, is simply this. Perfect love casts out all fear. The Father's perfect love is provision for everything that you need. Relationally, financially, spiritually, emotionally, and in all ways. And it is a direct attack on you from Satan when he brings fear and causes you to manage your finances because you're afraid of scarcity. You're afraid that you won't be provided for. It's a direct attack on your heart. Your Father will absolutely provide for you. But we participate with Him on how we live and steward our hearts. Can you receive that? Father, I pray right now for us as a people that we would steward the finances that you've provided, Lord. It's you that gives us the ability to work and make a profit. And you've asked us, Lord, to steward our hearts by how we steward our finances. 
And I want to ask, Lord, as, as we continue this, God, that your love would come through the Holy Spirit right now. That you would raise up Christ in us, God, and that you would press out any spirit of fear, any spirit of scarcity, a lack of provision, a faithlessness that the enemy would try to bring where we would not trust, Lord, that you, God, are able to take care of us in every season, at every time. And so we ask for that in Jesus' name. Teach us your ways, Lord. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have an awesome week. I believe is that home groups are meeting this week. So uh, if you're not in a home group, you can go to the app and check it out. We've got some open home groups that are wanting to have you come and fellowship. God bless you guys. Please come and get prayer. We want to bless you. Have a great week.